Cristo. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Well, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. So I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your co-host, Troy. With me, as always, co-host, Jason. I feel like we're off to a, to a mediocre start, Troy. I feel like you're not, you're not bringing the energy like <laughs> usual. Well, I'm not bringing the energy as usual because it was kind of a shit week in WWE. <laughs> uh, and as I expressed last week, I hate this time of year. Uh, because this is Survivor Series time when the storylines don't matter. And the teams are made up on the spot. And, of course, because um, our our first, first main story is kind of a bummer. But before we get into that, we wanted to take a second, just check in on how Jason's doing. Jason, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing okay. I can't <laughs> complain too much. And if I did, no one would give a shit. No, that's it. Oh. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, uh, I don't have a... Oh, I'm sorry. Was that supposed to be a segue? That was that was me trying to see how you were doing. Oh, just give, give you time to talk. Because <laughs> if we're if we're teeing it up here, I could just go. Well, you know, it's rundown time. We're about to get the show started, and I am feeling perfect, <laughs> like a perfect ten. The perfect ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. That's right. And we're gonna start this off with a pretty big downer. And I'm gonna go ahead and do this. Split it up between uh, the different people so we can talk about each one of them. But the WWE cleaned a little house. And uh, we'll start with probably the, the, in my opinion, the least consequential of the, the releases. WWE released Summer Rae. And for me, Summer Rae will always be remembered as a chick that's a twat on live TV. Um, but also uh, kind of an underutilized talent, but somebody who was you know, far and away, not as good of a wrestler as her peers. What were your feelings on summer Ray? My, uh, my original feelings when I heard about this was, uh, wait, they fucking released summer Ray and Alicia Fox still has a job. And, uh, my initial reaction is still pretty much my current reaction. Um, yeah, I always thought Summer had some talent. I, mean, I went back, and you'll as you continue with Revisited, you'll see more of this. Uh, back in the NXT days when she was a group with uh, Sasha and Charlotte, I thought she was having decent matches. She's never going to be you know, a great in-ring performer, but she's a good character. She can play the, the bitchy heel. Um, I thought she would be very useful, and she's a great uh, representative of the company for the media events and things of that nature. So... 
I'm surprised that they didn't find something for her, and I'm certainly surprised that they didn't kind of bring her back after the injury to at least see if they could do something with her before they just outright released her. Uh, makes me sort of wonder if she is going to, if she has plans or wanted to do something else or had, had life after wrestling teed up and ready to go and just wasn't into the idea of coming back. That's always possible. Um, we're going to touch a little bit later on in the news section about uh, the comments of uh, Leo Rush. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about some of Summer Rae and Emma's reactions on Twitter. Uh, but as of right now, my initial reaction to Summer Rae was I, I, I didn't quite get that in the context of some of the women that are still there. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And, and we'll we'll get to that when we talk about our, our third person. But our second person, and somewhat consequential, but somewhat also not, WWE also came to terms with the release of Darren Young. Darren Young, the first openly gay active wrestler that WWE had in, on the roster, um, at least openly to the public. Obviously, there's been been quite a few openly gay uh, wrestlers for the boys in back, but not so much where Darren Young got that big TMZ bump, uh, parlayed that into a push uh, in storyline-wise, doing the make Darren Young great again stuff with Bob Backlund, but injuries seem to just catch up to the Black John Cena. What was your thoughts and, and on Darren Young and the news that he was being released? Well, I've never personally uh, worked with, with uh, Darren Young, who some may not know from my area, was uh, Fred Bonecrusher Sampson. Uh, I do know a couple people have worked with him, they swear what a you know, great guy he really is, and they're they're a little upset to hear this. It's not entirely shocking, obviously, because there really wasn't a whole lot going on with them outside of the primetime players. They tried to sort of give him a singles thing a couple times, and it never really worked out. I don't think that's on him. I think that's a far greater um, complaint you could make about the creative that they gave him. The make Darren Young great again thing was garbage. We all knew it was garbage. Um, it had some comedy potential, but you know, if you subscribe to the theory that funny don't draw money, then it was never going to go that far. They had the little push towards the Intercontinental title with The Miz, which ended in one of the dumbest and most confusing finishes in the history of pay-per-view. Um, and sadly, shortly after that, I believe, was when he suffered the injury. Just got back, and again, similar to Summer Rae, didn't really get a chance to go out there and see if there was anything there that they could do with him. Uh, I guess they just kind of decided it was time to uh, cut bait on him and it wasn't going to work out. And and ultimately for Darren, I think he's a guy particularly who will go out in the Indies, maybe hit New Japan, and really sort of make a name for himself in, in that sort of secondary wrestling market. I think that's where he's going to find a great deal of success. Yeah, I don't I don't see Darren as a, as a type of guy who is going to be your main eventer on the indies. You know, we, we look at a guy like, you know, like Neville, if, if he was released, which obviously that is the joke as well, that of all the people that got released, he was not one of them. Um, well, yeah, you know, I can understand that, though. They, <laughs> Neville's got some value to them. They're going to hold yeah. on to him and see if they can work something out. Right. But, yeah, like I said, uh, with with a guy like that, you, you know, if he got released, he's going straight to the main event. Uh, you know, of, of your ROH, your New Japan. But Darren would probably be a mid-card guy to, on any any indie, but uh, a great addition to any indie as well, though, because he is a really competent worker, um, and, and he is he is likable, and obviously he has, you know, his the, the storyline built behind him, too, uh, you know, in, in terms of, of being an, an openly gay wrestler. Um, so, you know, he obviously, there, there are others on the indie, independent circuit that are as well, 
Um, but obviously Darren Young, he did get that mainstream attention being from WWE. And I, and I know it's kind of sucks that, you know, that's, that's the thing I keep talking uh, about with him, but honestly, his career, uh, in WWE was never really much of anything. Uh, you know, he had his, his, I think two runs as tag team champion with the primetime players. Uh, and that was about it. He was a tag team guy with Titus. And then other than that, I mean, he was a, a forgotten member of, of the Nexus, as well as, you know, being one of those NXT redemption guys and, and NXT guys back when it was a reality show. So, um, and then the last one and the well, one that I, one more, one more thing on yeah, Darren go ahead. before we continue. Cause I, the next one's sort of going to be the most polarizing one, I guess. Yeah. Um, one thing I would like to say, and I think I've mentioned it sort of on this show before, but just in the context of the discussion we're having, I want to tip the cap to Darren Young a little bit because it would have been very easy for him to really attempt to use his sexuality and his coming out as a, as a chip to sort of elevate his career. And he made it a point that he didn't want to be the gay wrestler. He wanted to be the wrestler that was gay and didn't want to make it a part of his character, a big focal point of, of what he did in the ring. So I want to tip my hat to Darren for that, uh, for not taking the easy route, for not trying to use that Um to, to elevate himself and instead to just sort of inspire those around him. Uh, so hats off to him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and yes, um, the, the last release that we had this week and the one that I think that both you and I will agree, uh, made us a little pissed off. WB came to terms with the release of Emma. Now, um, as we as we keep talking about these three different people, the these these similarities keep popping up. Uh, injury history, uh, obviously more so with Darren and Emma. Uh, creative issues with all three of these guys, um, but M- Emma, far and away, I think was not only the the best wrestler of these three, um, but also one of the ones that that would con- consistently be in everyone's list of underutilized talents. Um, not only her in the wrestling ring, um, her, her, you know, bad cop persona, I really enjoyed. And, you know, even, you know, her, her on the stick, she was, she's, she's a good promo. Um, we got to see a little bit of, of her personal side and the taste of Tennille segments that we saw on you on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, obviously, you know, we, we got to watch her lose twice to Asuka Although she got in some offense or a lot of offense, plus, and was re- was just released. So plus dead ass. Yeah, of course. I mean, she had she had just a, a, an amazing body, a beautiful woman, um, and not one that you would look at and and think amazing wrestler, but definitely great in the ring. You know, one of the one of the best hands that they had in there, and we look at it as you know, Raw cut two of their women. And, you know, they were already very thin in terms of, of their, their raw talent. And now this makes them even worse because, you know, when we were looking for someone to take a pinball, it was normally Emma. So I don't know <laughs> if, that, if that's just Alicia Fox's role going forward now or if we will see, you know, somebody else kind of fall back. I mean, I guess you could put Bailey in that role at this point now. You know, great ass, big tits. There, there's Bailey. <laughs> Yeah, and, and all joking aside, you know, obviously we, we can sit there and speak for days on the physical attributes of Emma. 
Um, but as an in-ring performer, she re- they, they joked around with the gimmick about her starting the women's revolution. But reality, if you want a flashpoint for the women's revolution, you can really go back um, to her match with Paige in NXT for the original NXT Women's Championship. That was sort of the moment where they sent the women out there and said, go, go, go light the place up. And they did. Uh, and they continued that with the next match they had on, I think it was the first NXT TakeOver of special. Um, so she really did have a big part in the women's revolution, at least within the WWE, at least in changing the perception of the fans' minds of what women's wrestling could be. So um, hats off to her for that. She's a tremendous in-ring performer. You talked about the injuries. The injuries are obviously a key part. But I, but I think one of the things that I think is being lost in the shuffle here in terms of this is we can remember back to the Emelina push and hype, and I think we can agree it probably would have ultimately ended up being sort of a shit gimmick based on what we've kind of heard it was supposed to be. That said, it was obviously something that the company put a good amount of time and money behind building, and then she was so unable to perform it how they wanted it to that they ended up having to scrap the entire thing, and all that time and money they had put into it sort of got wasted, and I really wonder if that sort of set a real negative tone with her, um, with powers that be within the company. And maybe that's sort of what we're seeing here. Because obviously they'd been using her. She'd been on TV. She'd been a factor in a storyline. And if the company knew that this release was coming, the way they booked her match with Asuka is even more fucking mind-boggling. Because if you know you're going to release this girl, then yeah, you absolutely send her out there to get squashed like we talked about last week. Um, because you have no worries about keeping her strong long-term. Uh, this strikes me because of that as something that was sort of a last-minute decision, but and it just kind of sucks to, to think that they took somebody, built them, and, and said, oh, yeah, you know, fuck it, we're, yeah, we're done with you now. Yeah, I, I know they do that, and we've there's countless evidence that, that, that that's happened in the past, but it just it sort of sucks. It it really does, and you know, you know, you can talk about the the Emmalina stuff, but I think that honestly, with Emma, you know, with how outspoken she was in regards to you know some of the creative decisions you know made about her character and, and her booking and things like that, you know, you're you're getting it where you know the the people in creative they wanted to do this Emmalina thing. She you know said she didn't want to do it. They kind of forced it on her. Then she couldn't perform on it. I think you get a lot of heat between that two, between creative and and the performer, and you start getting to the point where creative's not going to try to make her look good, and that definitely felt like that was the case with Emma. You know, after she had come back, that you know the booking decisions on her, her just taking loss after loss, her, you know, um, you know she'd she'd come back. You know, her standing on top of the the announce table and and kind of announcing that she was back was 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 awesome. And then they just did nothing with it. And uh, like I said, I mean, I, I don't know if that's just a product of maybe some heat between the two sides or, or what. But, yeah, it definitely seemed kind of odd where, you know, you look at Summer Rae and Darren Young, two people who were cleared, who were healthy, who were not being used on TV, getting cut. That makes sense because they were just like, well, we're just waiting for the time to do it. Yeah, but like you said, with Emma, I mean, she has a, a pay-per-view match against Asuka, uh, gets in a lot of offense, has a really good showing, has another match on Raw, uh, then immediately gets gets released. And that's kind of a scary proposition when you think about you know some of these other guys who are maybe worrying about their job of, of 
them going, am I going to be blindsided next by this? You know, because this this feels like a blindside to me. Like, a, you know, where I'm, I'm being used, I'm being put on TV, and now I'm done. Now I'm gone. Yeah, the other thing I wonder in part, and, and, you know, you'd hope this wasn't a consideration, but you sort of got to wonder, given some of the history of the WWE, um, with the iconic girls down in NXT, obviously, at some point in the not-too-distant future set to come up, you almost got to wonder if maybe they went, all right, we, we kind of got the future of the Australian girls kind of covered at this point. We don't need to have, you know, more of that accent floating around. Um, again, it, it sounds crazy, but it's the type of thing we've sort of heard they do. It's the way they think. Um, so it's possible. I have no idea. All, what I do hope is certainly hope for the best for Emma. Uh, this isn't going to be the last we're going to talk about her in the show. We have uh, quite a sizable amount of stuff on her in the news desk. Um, but, you know, I, I think she is going to be missed by a good portion of the audience. I know certainly myself included. Yeah, and, and me as well. And um, I, I guess the, the last thing to touch on with, with Emma um. Mm, mm. Sorry. Uh, I was, I was wondering about, if you were going to yeah. go for that low-hanging fruit there. <laughs> oh, of course. I always do. Um, <laughs> the last thing with, with not only Emma about these releases is, you know, you we start to think about is is this just the tip of the iceberg or was this the entirety of their plan? And you start to, to kind of go into your mind on the different people that are not being utilized, you know, not only in WWE but in NXT as well. And you start thinking about that women's division and some of the women in NXT that haven't been used, as well as some of the women that have been used, and start to think, is this is this them clearing way for, you know, some call-ups? Or is this them kind of cleaning house and saying, ah, oh, we're we're good by just having, you know, the four to five people that we have on Raw in the women's division instead of having six or seven. You know, um to to me, I feel like that they they really you know, losing Summer Rae, like I said, is kind of inconsequential because she wasn't on TV anyways. But, you know, cutting out a person that was a, a big part of your Raw division, even though not a credible champ- you know, championship contender, I think that does hurt your division a little bit. Yeah, and, and ultimately we'll see how this plays out. And, and you touched on that a little bit there. Typically these types of releases come in bulks. Um, it's not usually just, you know, three random ones in the middle of nowhere. And they're sort of long overdue for one of these purges that they almost seem to do every year after WrestleMania. It's been about two years and they haven't done it. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully there's not, uh, any more cause you know, you don't want to see any of the boys and girls lose their jobs. Um, but unless you're Leo Rush, but, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully Emma catches on somewhere. I'm sure she's going to have no shortage of bookings. And like we talked about, she's a beautiful, talented girl. I'm sure there will be other opportunities even outside the world of wrestling for her. Yeah, and and if you want to stay in wrestling, I heard I heard that Impact is hiring. But well, <laughs> well speaking of, of shit shows, uh, Kane, after dominating and decimating and destroying Finn Balor, had a match with your former World Heavyweight Champion and your main eventer Seth Rollins. And dominated his ass too. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're putting, you know, it, it's time WWE is, is getting into the groove and they're really trying to build new young superstars to take that mantle for the future. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so you absolutely want to have Kane dominate because that's how you build your stars of the future. And clearly, the future of this company is the big red machine. So, um, no, I mean, this is obviously 
faulty. This is this is to me probably the Kane farewell tour, uh, and they're probably just building them up for something big. The problem is again similar to what I said with Oscar last week. You can build this guy up with just another guy. You can build mm-hmm. him up, send him out there to dominate Kurt Hawkins, who by the way. Keep your eyes on the release box, uh, as we talked about earlier. Uh, but you you can keep you can use those types of guys. You can use the middle of the card guys, the Elias Sampsons of the world, the Jason Jordans of the world. Those can be the guys you feed to Kane, not guys who are top of the card main event guys in matches that don't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you get on me all the time about the the free TV thing that I say, but. Uh, and I know I heard you and Adam touched upon this a little bit on the Nitro Mania podcast this week, which I encourage you guys to go check out because it was a very, very entertaining episode. There's a um, free plug. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> see, how I, see, see how I worked that in there? Mm-hmm. Um, That's nice. Th- thank you. But when I talk about giving stuff away on free TV, it's not it, – I understand you pay for cable. I understand that they get paid for the TV deals. I get all of that. My point when I say that is – the pay-per-view is money that's not guaranteed. Your TV contract, once it's signed, is guaranteed. You know how much you're getting for it. Ad revenue can fluctuate, but it's largely the same group of pool money you're pulling from there. When you have an opportunity to build something special for a pay-per-view, something unique, something different that people have never seen, and you decide to take a big, giant steaming shit all over it for the sake of a quick boost in the ratings that really ultimately will be inconsequential, it frustrates me. It irritates me. And taking the specialness out of Finn Balor and some of it out of Seth Rollins for future matches kind of sucks. And then, of course, I remembered that uh, Seth's made, the last time Seth and Kane had anything going was when Seth busted up his knee. And that was pretty much the last time we saw Kane up until recently. And, uh, you know, basically what you're telling us is that Seth is a big, giant pussy when it comes to Kane. Yeah, apparently. Uh, Kane is Kane is so so big right now that they're even selling Halloween costumes of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to that. That that wasn't a segue, but it could have been used as one. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I got more to say about Kane. You know, uh, you 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 know hit a lot of those points out of the park on that one. Um, we we talked about it last week as well with with Kane destroying Finn Balor, and and we had said you know Finn was one of those guys kind of teetering on. You know, is he going to be able to get pushed up to the main event, or is he going to fall back to the mid card? And having him get defeated by a 46-year-old insurance salesman uh, obviously hurts him and pushes him back to the mid card, or at least to, you know takes a lot of credibility away from him. You know, having Kane beat Seth uh, when Seth is is supposed to kind of be the cornerstone of you know of Raw right now and supposed to be kind of the top face that fucking sucks as well too and all of this again is because they think that braun Strowman needs to be put over but in case you didn't catch it from the reactions the crowd got Strowman is fucking over and he needs no help to be legitimized actually that is going to uh we'll we'll use that as the segue to our yeah. next topic because we we talked about this Kane push and last week with with Finn Balor and we're gonna we talked about it obviously now with Seth Rollins too, uh, and at the time we said okay they're putting him over these top guys to build him up for Strowman, and then Monday happened, and mm-hmm. Strowman made his big return, you know coming from the trash from whence he he was born I don't know whatever the <laughs> fuck that was, uh, but it looks to me like they're building the program for Strowman with the Miz rather than Kane. 
So what the fuck was with having Kane and Strowman go at it at the pay-per-view and then having Kane beat the shit out of the future of your company two weeks in a row if you're not building him for Strowman? Right. See, at this point now, it sort of feels like they're building Kane so that Roman has somebody else to to bulldoze over. Um, because, yeah, like you said, um, you know, Braun Strowman... <laughs> I get it. Roman it's, has to beat, uh, you know, uh, Malaria or whatever the fuck he has yeah, first. Yeah, true. I get it. It's it's close to Halloween. You know, <laughs> Raw, Raw was the day before. This was fucking bananas insane because uh obviously if you if you haven't seen it uh, i'll 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 set the mood a little bit here the miztourage arrives back and shout for whatever out to bo re- dallas on the return by the way yeah yeah bo dallas apparently was able to overcome aids far quicker than uh, roman reigns said and bray wyatt. Uh, yeah and bray wyatt too yeah jojo cured up quick too uh-huh yeah so much so that she released new pictures of herself um and then uh oh, did she a, yeah i'll 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 try to find them for you. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, there's a garbage truck in front of them. And, of course, the Miz's reaction isn't at first like, oh, shit, Strowman's back. He's just like, tell him that there's wrestlers in this thing. The back opens up, garbage falls out, and then magically Braun Strowman appears as the camera cuts back. <laughs> oh, can he, I just interject yes. one second? Uh, yeah. And for those of you who watched Tender Love and Care... Um, you're aware of the fact that Strowman was thrown into the back of a white yes. trash truck. <laughs> yes. The trash truck on Monday, from whence he rose, was red. So, so he was put into a trash truck, compacted, taken out of said trash truck, dropped into another trash truck, compacted again. Then that said trash truck was driven from the state where TLC was held to the state where Raw was held two weeks later. Uh, like, fuck me. Like, no. I, I, I don't know uh, who, who signs right. off on this shit. You, you, choose to, you choose to believe what you believe. I choose to believe that, thro- that Strowman was thrown in the back of that truck and went through a wormhole, <laughs> which then connected to this other truck that happened to be in the city that, that Raw was in and was able to come out of that end of the wormhole and present himself for the Mistrage. Wait, was Ron the Upside Down? Uh, potentially. Uh, but we'll get to that shitty fucking ripoff for you in a second here. So, maybe, 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 maybe after he was compacted, they painted the truck red. Oh, there you go. Maybe, maybe he was compacted and that's his blood staining the truck red. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, so Strowman arrives back, uh, does a a stand-up reveal like he is a fucking movie monster, screams at the Miztourage, they high hightail out of there, he then proceeds to attack them, doing about sixteen running power slams to the axe man. And uh did now question, maybe maybe it's just me not paying that much attention, but did they digitally add crack marks to their uh their LED boards? Oh, it's possible. I didn't even catch that. It wouldn't shock me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did, which is ridiculously stupid, because that's not that's not how those boards work. Um, but yeah, so he Wait, you know that's the part that's too over the top <laughs> for you. That's the, oh. that's not how that works. Part that gets to you. <laughs> I choose I choose to believe what I choose to believe. <laughs> so yeah, so so Pierce says that Strowman might be our next Intercontinental Champion, which I am okay with. 
Oh, and I'm fine with it too. I for well, I mean, I'm not sure I'm crazy about Strowman versus Baron Corbin either. If that's the way they if they go there before the pay per view, um, but if that's the plan, then what we're now looking at is Survivor Series because Strowman's on Team Raw and the Miz mm-hmm. has other plans. Then the next pay per view with Miz versus Strowman. And then yep. finally, three months from now, we'll get the Kane match, maybe. if they. So why do we need to build and push him and, and have him have him destroying top talent now if the plan is now three months down the road? It just doesn't make any sense. It almost feels as if um, the, the plans had changed on this. Yeah. And and that instead, we're, we're, we're building up Kane potentially to be a, a very large piece of the uh um the survivor series puzzle in terms of team raw um you know maybe maybe having him be you know just kind of tear tear ass through team smackdown um he's on that right well he hasn't uh, he hasn't been announced for what he's gonna be they've only yet, announced yeah. Strowman and angle so far yeah that's true um so yeah we'll we'll see what happens there but yeah it is definitely feels like it, it was it was they were going to go with Strowman versus Kane and instead maybe they came to their senses um but not enough so that they couldn't pull back the booking department from having him beat beat Seth but yeah because you know the the best way to make people care about Seth Rollins, DMM, Ambrose versus the Usos is to have one of their members lose to an insurance salesman. Yeah. Well, moving on, because I don't have the energy to be pissed off about this anymore, but uh, we touched on, we talked about the Upside Down, obviously a reference to the Netflix series Stranger Things, which season two, spoiler alert, we're not getting any ad revenue, but it's out, so go check it out. That's Um, a great tip. But that led us to SmackDown, where our latest clip segment with Brizongo uh, was Stranger Things. Uh, take off, obviously, on Strange Stranger Things. And we've been sort of dancing around this for the last couple of these segments. But uh, I think we can, if it wasn't, if it was still in question before, I think we can safely say that the Fashion Police stuff has jumped the shark because this was fucking awful. At least in the past, with the billboards and the inside jokes, there was some creativity. There was some. You know, wink, wink, nod, nod to the crowd and to the audience. And there was stuff they could at least find entertainment in and sink their teeth in and the Easter eggs and all that stuff. Uh, this was a straight mallet over the head from the Bludgeon Brothers. Um, nope. Uh, I, ultimately, that's where that's, the storyline that, that's, that sounded like a pun intended. I know you're going to try to say that, but that, that definitely <laughs> sounded like you intended that pun. It wasn't, but I realized halfway <laughs> through and I just rolled with it. Um, but yeah, so they obviously the Bludgeon Brothers were the... the perpetrators and that's what we're being told um and we had obviously speaking of jumping the shark also has ty dillinger apparently because now they're putting him in drag which is always the end of your career all right i'm gonna stop you right there because that was the only part that i actually got a little chuckle out of i like the wording but my point is for his career when they stick you in drag yes typically I, and and I will give them credit for one more thing. Uh, changing the egos to uggos was yeah. really good. I liked that. I chuckled at that. Yeah. Um, but that was it because the, the board didn't have any jokes to it. Nope. It just, just had tag team names. Yep. And you had, uh, for whatever reason, fucking Connor shows up in a cane outfit because he's apparently part of Stranger Things. Well, that was I think they were playing into the... 
that's when they started attacking them and said, yeah. you know, we're under siege, we're under siege. So they were yeah. tying into that, which was, you know, at least okay. I guess. But yeah, there wasn't, the dialogue in this was terrible and it's typically been better. And yeah, like you said, is this, this was just like, oh, look, you're dressed up like Barb. Ha. Ha 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 ha. Funny. I can't, we talk in the past about how, how, you know, Vince takes over the shit when it starts to get popular and then starts, sort of starts to ruin it a little bit sometimes with, you know, his 72-year-old old man jokes um, and sense of humor. I can't even blame him for this because I guarantee you Vince has no fucking clue what Stranger Things is. No, I feel like he probably wikipedia it. I don't think so. I don't think he'd get a barb joke. Hmm. I don't know. Goddamn, pal, yeah. we've got five guys in drag. What's not funny about that? Yeah, that that was ridiculous. Uh, uh, four guys, because uh, Fandango was dressed up as as Hopper. So, oh, we had Barb. We had eleven. We had ten. Oh yeah, and then yeah. Well, Kane has long feminine hair. Ah, uh, yeah, you could you could say that, but yeah. 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 So so three and a half, we'll call it. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, either way, I mean, I I was a little bit, yeah. There, there's only so much you can do with this, and to have it be the Bludgeon Brothers be the first feud with these guys is not going to do any wonders for Rowan and Harper because no. their first first feud is going to be a comedy feud, and they're going to squash Brizongo. So yeah. ultimately, all these clips are going to just lead to them being destroyed as a team. Yeah, and not go back to yeah, and go back to making jokes again mm-hmm. and being a joke. So, and again, they've they've had numerous opportunities now to put the titles on these guys when they were hot. You know, people were cheering for them. They were excited to, to see them. And now they're going to cool off again. And so I guess now is a perfect time to throw the title belts on them. <laughs> but, yeah, just just ridiculous. But was it any more ridiculous than the club getting yet another trick or street fight? Uh, and not only a trick or street fight, but they dressed up as their characters from Southpaw Regional Wrestling, which, if you remember the Welvis Presley or Pre- Pelvis Wesley, Pelvis Wesley, yeah, yeah a couple couple months ago on Raw, uh, and the fucking popcorn fart that that was, uh, in terms of reaction, then you probably understand that ninety five percent of their audience, ninety eight percent of their audience, had no fucking idea what these guys were dressed up as. Uh, but they did have them fight Rhino and Heath Slater, who were dressed as Santa and Mrs. Claus. For uh, whatever fucking reason. Right. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I don't have a problem if you want to do this with, with Rhino and, and Slater, because that's their thing. They're comedy relief. That's their niche. Um, the club can be badass fucking heels. The club can be a top tag team. They were. They have been. They've been one of the best tag teams in the world. Carl Anderson is one of the most underrated workers, tag team singles, doesn't matter, in the entire fucking world. These guys are being wasted to a degree I can't even comprehend. And I don't know if this is Vince not knowing what they can do because he didn't give a shit about New Japan. We all know that. He doesn't give a shit about tag teams. This was probably Hunter saying, hey, these guys, let's fucking get these guys, Vince. And, ah, goddamn, fine, Paul, whatever you want. Um, And then they get over here and they're like, oh, we should put them in lab coats and make dick jokes and ball jokes. And, like... These guys are entertaining, and they're funny, and they're compelling. They're good on the mic. They can do so much more than what they're being allowed to do. Right. And you got to remember that the Southpaw stuff is written by the wrestlers. And the Southpaw segments on Raw are written by Vince. 
and it shows because so you so you've got that so you know Southpaw showing up on Raw. Not only is is that just it's just wrong, man, because the, you're just taking away the the joy that is Southpaw regional wrestling by trying to force it on to your larger audience. But then let's take for the fact that, like I said, this is the second time that the club have been in a Tricker Street fight match. Last year, Luke Gallows lost to Enzo Mori by, how's that? Getting a pumpkin put on his head. And how did they lose this time? Luke Gallows put a pumpkin backwards on his head, because apparently he's fucking retarded. <laughs> uh, well, he was Festus. Apparently, nobody wants to let him forget that because he put a pumpkin backwards on his head and yeah. got beaten by two guys dressed up like Santa Claus. Well, one was dressed up like Mrs. Claus. So. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. He got They got beat by a dude in a fat suit and another dude with makeup and panties on. Yep. Another guy in drag. I'm telling you, this is Vince's yes. thing. Perhaps yep. we're discovering something about Vince here with, in the course of this conversation. Well, goddamn, man. Who doesn't like, a, like to feel a panties? Under the testicles. It's fine. Yeah. So we had, uh, I Vince, guess this. Vince, we don't have a pair of panties to fit him. So, goddamn pal, third drawer from the top. Go grab him out of my office. I need to, I need to wear them big for my giant grapefruits. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess this was what the fourth, fifth t- person that we had in Drake on this show alone. Well, no, this is a different show. This was Raw. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But I think we can we can characterize the whole for the week. week. Yeah, for yeah. the for the for the week. Yeah, we had yeah. we had people in drag on both fucking shows. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the level of entertainment that WWE offers us right now. And Alicia Fox in a captain's hat. Some like, does that? Do we consider that in drag? Uh, not really drag, but a silly costume. Mm. Yeah, I suppose so. But well, and this isn't on the list. So, but allow me to just point out, and I know you didn't see this, uh, 205 Live uh, contained Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan wrestling a perfectly normal wrestling match dressed as clowns. So, oh. yeah, that's a thing that happened. I see, I see. And take hmm. your talented young black performers and make them wrestle as clowns. Because, you know, that's funny. So, wait, were they in whiteface? Yep, a little bit. Hmm. I guess that's okay. Hashtag clown revolution. Yeah. Hashtag clown fart. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of things that are dragging on and on, Jinder Mahal and AJ Styles continue their feud despite them not actually being in a feud. Nope, because uh, Jinder's in a program with Brock. And we know and, this because he cut a fucking promo on Brock and didn't mention AJ at all. And um, AJ Styles is in a promo with, I guess, everybody. Because he's... Got a match against Rusev next week to be on Team SmackDown, which I don't know why he'd want to be, considering he had a fight with Shane. And he also fought... Well, or, well I mean, Owens and yeah. Sammy both want to be on the team, and they've currently got a feud with Sam, with Shane, so... That's, I, I suppose, yeah. But, yeah. So, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, obviously we don't, we don't know what... Owens and Zayn are going to be doing because the rest of Team SmackDown has already been decided. And it's a who's who who gives a shit. I think there's <laughs> one spot left, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's AJ Styles or Rusev. They're having a match yeah. next week to determine who it is. Yeah, but yeah. but the, the team is Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Styles or Rusev. It's so it'll Styles. probably it'll be Styles. Yeah. It's I don't know why I, I don't know why I keep saying it. It's a complete face team. 
against probably a complete face team on Raw because you've got Braun and Kurt. So again, you're going to take another young guy doing some tremendous work in Rusev with the whole Rusev Day thing, and it's getting mm-hmm. over and people are into it, uh, and we're going to leave him off the match too. So you're going to, yeah, that's true. Uh, you're also going to yet again have a face for it. You're going to have all of your other matches be heel versus heel and the Survivor Series match be face versus face. Well, some face versus some face. I mean, Strowman, I think. Well, is Strowman? Strowman's a face. They were cheering his ass off on Raw. And he, and he fought against The Miz. Yeah, but he was also opposite the Shield team at the last pay-per-view. So, But that was his turn. Was, was it, though? He turned face. He got thrown into a garbage can. And the next feud he has so is all of his the heel number one heel. tendencies got compacted in the trash. Yes, there you go. There yes. you go. That's what it yeah. is. No, Braun Strowman is definitely a face. Okay, fair the enough. Rea- the reactions he got, and like I said, the fact that he's going against The Miz tell you everything you need to know. Okay, Kane is not. Kane is not a part of Team Raw, and Kane yeah, is, a, is a heel. He probably will be. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe chokeslam so, Daniel Bryan. I got to think that leads to something. That's true. So maybe you've got one heel and the rest faces. I See, I can't even figure out who the fuck else is going to be on Team Raw. Um, but... Oh, nope. Never mind. I just figured it out. Okay. Elias? <laughs> uh, it's probably going to be Kane and The Bar. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not doing anything. True. So I guess Raw's going to have a lot more, more heels than I guess. Speaking of which, New Day's not on Team SmackDown either. What the fuck are they going to be doing at the pay-per-view? I don't know. I there's, know. A, there's a lot of people that are going to be left off of this. Because, yeah. yeah. You've got that. Like I said, you've got Sammy and, and Owens. who. Oh, Samoa Joe will be on Team Raw. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, there's yeah, there, there's a lot more people that I guess than I thought that that aren't going to be doing anything because there's a potential that Samoa Joe's not in this if they they go with the Bar and Kane. I I think Joe will be in there. You think it'll be Strowman, Angle, Joe, Kane? Well, I mean, unless Roman's back, but there's talk he may not be back till after Survivor Series anyway. So if that's if, the case, who are the other top guys you could put in that match? I suppose, yeah, it would have to be. I mean, it would uh, have Ambrose and, and Rollins are occupied. Miz is occupied. Yeah. yeah. So you've got maybe Elias Sampson if nobody else is available. You've got the bar. You've got you've got Joe and Kane. The Kane is being the top person on, on Raw right now. There's Enzo, but now he's occupied too. Yeah, he's occupied too because he has a rematch that nobody asked for. I will say, does, doesn't the whole Enzo thing really speak to how out of touch they are? Because... Here's this guy who comes up. He's got all sorts of hype. Everyone's with the crowd goes crazy for him um, because he's like this little shit talker and, you know, he gets over because of that. Then they try to make him like all, you know, textbook baby face, try to be, you know, dad joke funny and the crowd rejects him. Mm-hmm. Then they turn him heel. He starts shit talking again. And now they love him again. Yep. So how soon before he's he's a heel but doing dad jokes? Wait till Cass comes back. That's true. That's true. Cast ruins everything. Oh, apparently, apparently, uh, Cast apparently, ruins everything around me. Kareem getting them. <laughs> apparently, the, uh, apparently, the shield is Sierra Hotel 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 India Echo Lima Delta because uh-huh. Triple H is a part of it now. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I guess Triple H uh, wrestled a match with the Shield at Glasgow. Yeah, he's going to do five five spots. He's taking Roman's spot basically on the tour. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But he dressed like him too. Wow. So did Kurt. Did he come that's, out looking like a true. Make-A-Wish kid, all grins and smiles? And no, no. He lo- at least from what from the pictures I saw, he was making his Triple H face. So. Actually, I will say, while we're on the subject, did you see the footage from the New Day thing when uh, the South American tour? 
which which one? There's a when he filled in with the New Day, he took AJ's spot on the South American yes, tour. I, and he I danced definitely with the did. New Day, and it was yep. just, dancing was great. And then he pedigrees Xavier Woods, and mm-hmm. then he just dances his way up the aisle. I I love that shit. I thought that was great. Yeah, Triple H. This this version of Triple H is the most fun that we get from Triple H. Yeah. The 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 house show Triple H, who a guy who's always been really funny on the house shows and has always done a lot of fucking creepy or crazy shit like that yeah. you know uh this is the same guy who <laughs> uh i i don't want to use the term gaily but i'll use the term gaily tagged in kurt angle in that one match <laughs> the whole thing uh you know a guy who has the 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 world's greatest sell job ever where he yes. just would not fall down yes. <laughs> you know triple h has always been a, a really good entertainer for the house show crowds yep uh, speaking of things that are entertaining, though, it actually reminded me of that No Way Jose Austin Aries dance thing. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that, I love that one too. Austin. <laughs> Anytime you get these guys who you don't expect, like these straight laced guys, to do like the worst possible, like your dad dancing at a club <laughs> dances, it's always entertaining. Yeah, he had he had some moves to him. I'll give him that. <laughs> he he twerked pretty good. It was nice. Yes. Yeah. But so did Stone Cold. They got Stone Cold to twerk at WrestleMania. So that's, that is that's true. An accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, speaking of twerking, Nia Jax returned. That was you, you stole my you stole my thunder before with my segue, so I just had to go with it. <laughs> Nia Jax and Samoa Joe both returned, as well as another person, but we'll get to her in a second. Um, obviously, great to see Samoa Joe back. Um, you know, Nia returning. We don't know what. I, I don't think we're ever going to hear the full story on what happened there with her. Her leaving, we're we're now getting the WB spin on things that she was just off TV because they didn't have anything for her for the time. Um, but you've also got the reports of her walking out and things like that. But either way, she is back, and as well as Samoa Joe. So, uh, you know, raw packing on the pounds. Yeah, and and you know, obviously, Joe's probably the more impactful of those two returns. Um, she's lined up now to be on teams, team raw for the women's match at survivor series. I, I, I can see them booking her as the monster to win that match. We'll see how it plays out ultimately, but I, I'm, I've just, I'm not a huge fan of Naya. I don't see a whole lot there other than, you know, when, when somebody brings nothing to the table, but size that tends to get rejected by the crowd pretty often. Um, and her work is not tremendous she doesn't do anything that sets her apart in terms of the stuff she does in the ring you know if she but, was out but, there but samoan drops she yeah, does I'm... some samoan drops yeah well speaking of samoans obviously joe awesome to have joe back i think it really ups the um quality you can get to the top of the card assuming they leave him there where he was when he left i'm hoping oh no no he's he's losing to kane next week <laughs> right probably um but I'm I'm happy to see Joe back. There were reports that he hasn't been 100% since he signed with NXT. He's been having knee issues, and this will be the first kind of run we'll get to see with him uh, in the company at 100%. I'm sort of excited about those possibilities. Oh, um, gosh, yeah. So I'm hoping we get the uh, Cena match down the road that we were sort of planning to, to get to earlier before the injury because that would be tremendous. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what Joe can do. And Naya, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, this is a guy who's a legit beast, whereas Nia Jax is just kind of a bigger girl. Um, but Joe looks the part; he is the part, and you know he's he's the type of guy that you know can can do great work on Raw. As and and he's another one of those guys where 
you look at him and you would think, okay, he's just a big brawler guy, and then he's pulling out the moves he's pulling out. Um, but then also his mic work too, just you know, you get him in you get him in a good good feud and he can go far. And yeah, oh, having just, him back yeah. Just go and listen to the raw fallout stuff from last mm-hmm. week when he cut a promo backstage. It was tremendous. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that in, in his absence they've learned how to use him a little bit better because we were having a little bit too much of him, you know, kind of talking where his his promos need to be kind of better utilized at certain areas. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm I'm hoping that he can can go far and not just turn into another Rusev, you know, a, a really talented, entertaining guy that they don't use. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him too, because right now he's not booked for the card. But yeah, well, now that now that you mentioned, yeah, he will probably be a part of Team Raw. Um, with, with Naya, I feel like they've sort of missed the boat. I think they've got the blueprint on Naya, and it's awesome, Kong, and that's really all they have to do is go watch how she was presented, uh, and that's what you want with Naya. You don't want to present this girl as a fucking glamour, you know, plus size model. That's not what this character should be. She should be a, a savage, a beast, an Amazon woman. Like, she should be destroying people. She should not be glammed up. She should have her hair pulled back. She should mm-hmm. be, you know, she needs a more flattering outfit because she sort of looks like a roly-poly in which they have her wearing yeah. now. Um, it's just, there's nothing good about how she's presented. Um, she's obviously a very attractive woman. Uh, there's, you know, no doubt about that. But mm-hmm. that's not what that character should be. Yeah, and so was Awesome Kong, but you still felt like that she could fucking kill you if you exactly. had her in a dark alley. And well, that's she had the, the way dreadlocks that... and the nose piercings, and like mm-hmm. she was presented as as a dangerous woman. Yeah, and she was able to back it up with with her in ring ability as well too. And right. I think that's that's where where Nia is going to fall flat is the fact that she is so very limited in the ring. Um, and part of that may be because she is very green. She's very new. She's only been wrestling for a, for a short amount of time. But part of it also is the fact that, you know, her style is, is going to be so much different than the rest of these women who, you know, are much more of the technical, much more of the kind of high flying and stuff like that. But if, if the people booking the matches would know how to use her properly, it would be great because, you know, Braun Strowman's not sitting there doing fucking, you know, top or hurricane runners or anything like that. But he's able to mesh well with the people that he's against because they use him as a gigantic fucking powerhouse. And that's what Nia should be. Uh, she's just not strong enough to make it look good all the time. Well, that's the great comparison, obviously, with Braun because they came together doing pretty much the same gimmick at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he took it and really ran with it to the top of the card. And she's just kind of floundered where she is. Right. Yeah. And, that, and I think that's part of it is part of it, I think, is that WWE is not willing to go. Uh, balls deep on making a female monster you know whereas they they are have no problem making braun a fucking legit monster Mm -hmm. and he looks the part he looks like he's fucking scary as hell now we obviously know the actual guy adam sheer is not that way at all but yeah with naya i don't feel like i feel like they 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 go well She's still a female. We still got to sell her as being beautiful and everything like that. We can't go full bore on on making her just this, you know, annihilator. But she's on Total Divas now. That is, there is another part of that too. Yes, because we need to make sure she has personality that we can can boast too, because she's on a reality show. Uh, but you know, speaking of monsters, Asuka. 
got the monster treatment this Monday, trying, uh, you know, to maybe retcon a little bit of her first two matches against Emma. Uh, and, and you pose the question on, is it too late? Too little, too late. And, you know, wrestling is a lot like a lot of aspects in life. Uh, you only get one chance to make a first impression. She had her debut. This was the first time the Raw audience, by and large, was going to see her. Uh, and she was presented to them as just another chick. Uh, now, she's going and getting the monster treatment, but she's already, in their minds, and the crowd's minds, she's already, you know, a decent wrestler. Decent presentation, but nothing special. Had she gone in there at the pay-per-view, like I said, kicked Emma in the fucking head, locked her in the chicken wing, that would have been fucking, that, that's the end of it. Or the Oscar mm-hmm. lock, whatever the fuck they call it. Um, that's the end of that fucking thing. Then she goes and does this monster gimmick on Raw. It means a lot more. Right. Yeah, and you're you're looking at it as like, uh, you know, speaking of, of debuts on people, you know, you, when you get these vignettes for somebody, you get kind of excited for it. Uh, then you, then their debut happens and you're just like, that was it? Uh, that fucking sucked. And then to follow it up then with, okay, well, it wasn't a fluke. Nope. She really is just kind of mediocre wrestler. Okay. And then, yeah, now all of a sudden we're like, oh, oh, they they must have actually watched their own product and realized eh, maybe that didn't come off that well. Well, I already know what I know about her. And I know that, you know, Emma, the chick that they just released, almost beat her twice. So right. what makes me think that that's not going to happen again? Right, because the Strowman, and we keep going back to the Strowman thing, but I feel like that was sort of the the best new presentation of a new character we've kind of had in, in recent memory. But you go back to that, and if, if night one of Braun Strowman is a single star, he's having you know a 15-minute competitive match with Curtis Axel, mm-hmm. and then the next night Curtis Axel almost beats him, and he sort of flukes his way into a win over Curtis Axel, and then the following week, he's having a squash match. Is he where he is now? Because I don't think so. No, I I doubt it. Yeah, they they did a great job on on him, and they tried to do the same thing with Naya, but they they couldn't re- they didn't have enough people to throw at her. Um, they also tried to do this very thing that they're doing with Asuka with Bailey, where what? Bailey then was suddenly starting to be fed jobbers, and you're like, well, no, 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 we. We know all we need to know about Bailey. You're not going to try to put us over that that she's now this this dominant force, right? Uh, allow me to point out that there was a significant difference between the the bronze push and the the Naya push. With the Braun push, they booked it correctly because he squashed one guy mm-hmm. a couple times, and that wasn't enough. So they fed him two guys, yeah, and that wasn't enough. So they as they built and it escalated and it got bigger and bigger every time. With Naya, it was just one chick. She was squashing her, just squash, 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 squash. Yeah. Like it never escalated. It never, it, it never changed. It never evolved. It just stayed the same. Right. Yeah. With with Braun, he got got a couple of guys. Then he's like, feed me more. And then he started feeding them more. And he's like, feed me more. And then he was, you know, throwing two guys up on his shoulders and shell shocking that. Oh wait, that's right back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Nope, uh, nope. Another <laughs> another monster entry push that worked like fucking hell. Is, and I, yes, I'm making the, the apt comparison there that, yes, it worked like hell. And then they're like, ooh, shit, uh, it worked a little too well. 
we didn't mm, we didn't want him to be a main eventer, so let's pull his back a little bit. Yeah, I Oh. Oh wait, he's a fucking moron. Oh, oh, hold on. We can't have him. We can't have him be our champion. <laughs> Meet on the table. <laughs> yeah, that's what you are. Hey, hey, you don't he, I'm trying to sell you this good used car. He was uh he was supposed to uh to face the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania, he he said. Oh, well, he probably still could. I mean, Ultimate Warrior didn't know anything <laughs> about it. Dana Warrior didn't know anything about it. Nobody in creative seems to have known anything about it, but he says that that was the plan on the board. Oh. So, yeah. He he was also set to uh, to win a match against Andre the Giant, too. <laughs> in his head, I'm sure that's probably true. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, you, can, you can choose which one to go to to be our penultimate. Let's uh, let's do this one because I think the last one has more long-term significance. But uh, this week's main event on SmackDown for the or a spot on Team SmackDown uh, was Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, for those of you that watched it, I thought the match was was okay. It was a good TV main event. It was perfectly fine. Uh, my issue here is that we've now seen Owens and Nakamura twice. Both on SmackDown, both with no real consequence, both kind of given away as a as a throwaway match with no build and nothing. And I feel like that we talk about it all the time. This is the shit where you shoot yourself in the foot. This is something that could be special. This is something that could be saved. This is something people will be into. People would anticipate. And instead, there it is. All right, cool, done. Later. You run into the issue right now where. Um, <clears throat> you don't have that many potential big money feuds, and this is a big money feud, and they're not having a feud. And so when they do actually come around to being a feud, they're going to be like, oh, well, they already faced each other a couple times. So why why, why now are they, they more in tune with facing each other at a pay-per-view when they already kind of faced each other a couple times here and there? And you look at it too, if you were to watch this show and not know like what's happening at Survivor Series, you would have no fucking clue who's facing who at the next pay-per-view. Cuz you'd be like, "Oh, okay, well, so gender so so AJ Styles is getting a world championship match at Survivor Series?" Nope. Nope. Oh, um Oh, well, surely that uh, Natalia's defending against Charlotte cuz they had a whole backstage thing. Nope. Nope. That's not happening either. Uh. Um, well, I mean, the Usos must be facing Gable and, and Shelton Benjamin. Nope, not because... nope, not in the slightest. Nope. Oh. Um, well, I mean, obviously Braun Strowman and, and The Miz have a have a program at the pay per view because nope, different matches. They're in different matches. But de- oh, um, yeah. Huh. Weird. Yeah, and and nope, Kane Kane isn't finding a tag team partner to face off against Finn Balor. And ooh, 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 yes. ooh, 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 yes. I've got it. Yes. I got it, right? Uh-huh. Raw women's team. Mm-hmm. Alicia Fox. Mm-hmm. Nia Jax. Mm-hmm. Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. Bailey. Mm-hmm. Sister Abigail. Oh. Oh. Book okay. that shit. Well, wouldn't that wouldn't that mean that Aegis Tells would be in two matches then? Why? Because he's Sister Abigail. No, no, no. Yes, the, I I watched a pay per view where the demon faced Sister Abigail. No, 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 that was and it was AJ Styles. No, 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 that was a replacement. They replaced Sister Abigail with a soccer mom. That's oh, 
You know, Sister Abigail still hasn't made her debut. Oh. But I could okay. totally see a Sister Abigail Nia Jax promo uh, program. There you go. Well, yeah, considering, um, you know, we, we found out that Vince McMahon loves cross-dressing, I, I can see Bray Wyatt being in the women's match then. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's We've really stumbled upon something here. Cross-dressing <laughs> is really Vince's new fetish. It is, apparently. That's, it's, I, I, until we put, like, juxtaposed it all together, I'd never put it together. Yeah, so so much so that Vince McMahon came out on Monday cross-dressing, pretending to be his daughter, <laughs> and had a segment with Kurt Angle. Yeah, no, no, that was actually really Stephanie, uh, and you know this because her first order of business was to completely cut the nuts off of her general manager and male counterpart in Kurt Angle, uh, to no real end. Because now Kurt Angle's job is apparently on the line if Team Raw doesn't win a match with no real consequences. Ah, you say that, but that seems like to an end. It seems like that she came out there, she was upset at Kurt Angle because apparently, you know, he stopped returning her sex. And and yeah, his job is on the line now, and this can potentially set up him versus Triple H at WrestleMania. Sure. Yeah, because that's what people want to see. Um, I'm okay yeah, with I, that match. I tell, I understand that match. There's history. You can protect Triple H. Can sort of protect him. He can carry through with with yeah. some of the, you know, I, I forget what the phrase Vince uses, like Vuvuzela, whatever the fuck it is. Like when he throws all the the shit together, and you know, when Sting's out there, and the NWO comes out and DX and all that shit to cover yeah. up, you know, older guys. I can totally see that. I'm okay with that. My problem is, are, are we going to completely devalue Kurt along the way by having him be just having fucking Stephanie just take the piss out of him every week? Because that's pointless. Well, and this is the same problem that we continue to have with Stephanie. This is the same problem that we continue to have. Every time we have a sniff of the authority potentially returning is we did the same fucking shit with Mick Foley. And we remember Mick Foley as being so fucking inept at his job now i've got kurt ankle ankle angle who appears to be pretty inept at his job and here's stephanie being the most consistent character the wwe has and constantly chastising the male talent at least uh you know she didn't slap kurt angle in this time <sighs> and yeah we've got it where we're potentially setting up another authority feud yay yep because that's what people want. Well, I mean, to be fair, like uh, authority feuds build stars. Like I remember that Survivor Series where Dolph Ziggler was the sole survivor and, and saved the WWE from the authority. And you look at what that did for his career. I mean, that was a real launching point um, for, to the stratosphere for, for Ziggler. So. so I'm just going to go ahead and on our little rundown sheet here on the Perfect Ten, I'm going to type Dolph Ziggler released and i'm just gonna leave it there <laughs> and we're gonna see if that if if i have have been able to preemptively put that as one of our topics next time because that's probably gonna happen <laughs> uh, that could be the new counter it has been x amount of days since <laughs> Troy predicted Dolph Ziggler's release <laughs> there you go i've got a different one tonight which i don't i don't know how how well it's gonna land but we're gonna try um, so unless we've got something more to talk about uh, with uh, Cunty McCuntface, it's time for the news.
is, and we are going to lead off our news desk this week with an interesting item. After receiving significant blowback on Twitter for a joke he made about Emma being released by the WWE on Sunday, Leo Rush tried to clarify his comments and apologize to fans who thought they were inappropriate. Rush first referenced Emma losing to Asuka in Asuka's first two main event roster matches at TLC and Raw last week in a tweet that has since been deleted. He wrote, quote, I guess those are the things that happen when you're not truly ready for Asuka, uh, end quote. Uh, the joke received criticism pretty quickly, including Peyton Royce pointing out that Rush had just gotten to NXT and telling him that professionalism goes a long way. Bray Wyatt was one of the wrestlers from the main roster to respond, saying that Rush, quote, ain't going to make it here with the Wolves, end quote. Uh, we also had the former Rosa Mendez chime in to say, show some respect, have some class. You work for the same company. I'm so disgusted. Uh, independent female star Lufisto tweeted, laughing at someone who just lost her job. Classy as fuck. Keep your chin up, Emma. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, who had competed in the Mayon Classic, just simply tweeted, tacky. Uh, this all, uh, there were a ton of other wrestling personas who responded to this uh, situation. I could run through all of them, but I don't think there's, they're all pretty much the same sentiment. Uh, Rush responded by issuing the following statement saying, at the end of the day, there's a certain level of respect within professional wrestlers in the sports and entertainment industry that is noted within peers. With that being said, Emma, I respect you and everything you've done for our business. It saddens me that the controversial tweet got completely blown out of proportion and looked at in a very insensitive way. As a family man with a four-year-old son and expecting another, I would never laugh or mock the fact that someone losing their job because of how it can affect affect self-person and their families spelled there wrong by the way uh whatever the situation may be regarding the release period you're an amazing performer and respected athlete by yours truly and i'm sure you will excel beyond expectations to my fans who may have seen this as inappropriate as well as emma's fans i apologize and i love you all regardless of the responses on behalf of myself and the wwe good luck uh, Jack Gallagher, Dash Wilder, and others weren't accepting of Rush's apology. Uh, Scott Armstrong, however, was and called Rush a class act and wrote that rookie mistakes are made to be learned from. Gallagher, however, said apologizing because people didn't like your joke, not for, look la not for joking about someone losing their job. Also, try some English classes at the PC. Um, Dash Wilder said, so busy being a comedian, you forgot you're a dumbass. And I tweeted, uh, I mentioned Scott Armstrong's tweet saying, class act, my young friend, mistakes are made to learn from good man. Uh, that's obviously the company line. Uh, Road Dog also tweeted something along the lines of, you know, he, he made a mistake and, and we'll make sure he learns from it. Um, while she hasn't directly addressed Rush, it doesn't sound like Emma plans to quit wrestling anytime soon. Uh, the former WWE superstar tweeted, quote, I feel very fortunate to have the most amazing family, friends, and fans in the world, I'm excited for the future. The best is yet to come, end quote. The 28-year-old, of course, as we mentioned, was released alongside Summer Rae and Darren Young. Summer also had positive things to say about her future on Instagram today, this week as she captioned a photo, quote, fresh new week, fresh new start, and plenty of time left in 2017 to make an impact. Let's get it, end quote. Uh, I don't know if that means she is headed to impact or if that simply means that... Uh, She's planning to do something different, but the word choice is certainly interesting. Uh, Troy, your thoughts on the whole Leo Rush controversy? Now, the joke itself was kind of funny. I will admit. 
But that is a joke you can make if you are a fan. That is a joke you can make if you are a member of this podcast. That is not a joke you can make about a person who was your uh, co-worker a day before. And he should have just deleted it and not said a goddamn word. Because his apology was so terrible. And it's it's anytime you hear, I'm sorry if I offended anybody, that is the most like limp-wristed way you can apologize for it's something. The, the non-apology apology. Yeah, it's a non-apology. He literally said in this thing, like, oh, my, my thing was blown out of proportion. Well, you made a joke at the expense of someone who lost their job, who had been with the company for, you know, 47 years. And... That's not a good thing to do when you just recently got signed. You know, this was, you know, somewhat similar to the last time that Kurt Hawkins got fired. I should probably put him right next to Dolph Ziggler up there. Um, and Mark Henry was talking about how long he'd been with the company and boasting about it. You know, right. it's one of those things where, you know, you need to be cognizant of how you, you know, come off to other people because uh, you haven't done shit, Leo Rush in the WWE and you could be fucking fired the next day too. Don't forget that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a segment of people on the indies. And, and again, I preface this by saying I've never personally met the guy, so I can't tell you for sure. Uh, but there's certainly a reputation amongst some guys on the indies about Leo rush and, uh, having a significant ego and sort of imagining his place as being greater than it is. Um, I can't speak to it. I can't say if it's true. I, I, those rumors are out there. I mean, you can look on Twitter, uh, in just some of the responses to his Oscar tweet, there were a couple of people who really said some things to the effect of, um, I guess leopards don't change their spots, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, but I, I, I don't know about this kid. I, I certainly hope that this was just a tremendous lapse in judgment and not a reveal of his deeper personality. Um, because, you know, like we said, uh, all bullshit aside, all Twitter beef aside, a real person lost their job. Um, yeah. And that should never be something you make light of, especially when we hear all the time about the wrestling business. And, and I can speak to it on a personal level, being a family, being a brotherhood and a sisterhood. And, and um, this is sort of a violation of that because you're publicly mocking somebody for losing their job. And that's just, it, to me, it's, it's out of line. Right. You know, and you don't really have the same thing happen in you know in other sports when a guy gets cut you know you don't really have that where the people will be like haha you lost your job fuck face sort of like that or hey that you know i i picked you off and that's why you got got fired you know because it is that kind of you need to have that professionalism and you know you're not on the indies anymore right. and so you know you're you're going to be scrutinized 1000% more than you were the day before you signed that contract. So yeah. And while uh, we're drawing the sports comparison, I mean, for locally, I can tell the, the NBA's opening night, we saw a horrific injury to Gordon Hayward on, on my, my Celtics. Um, but then you hear the stories, Isaiah Thomas, who was traded by the Celtics, has a little hostility, went into their locker room and spent the whole time with Gordon as he helped recruit mm -hmm. him to Boston. LeBron James at halftime took it upon himself to go into the Celtics locker room and check on him. Yeah. None of those guys are going on Twitter and going, ha ha, looks like you're going to be walking funny for a while. Like, yeah, there's just a class and camaraderie amongst people who share a profession in, yeah. in anything like this that 
sort of needs to be honored and and he certainly violated that right exactly you know this is you know you look at the complete opposite of that where you've got a guy like kevin owens who's sitting in a hospital waiting for enzo mori to get out to make sure he's okay because he got a concussion you know like that's that's the stuff that we we want to see you know we want to see those guys be you know be there for each other and everything like that and we don't want to see them kind of mocking each other for for getting fired yeah, and you mentioned Kevin Owens, and let me just pull it up because he did. Oh gosh, he did. <laughs> uh, hold on. Once, once you have Kevin Owens chime in, just delete your whole Twitter account. Yeah, just, exactly. Just give up on social media. It's very true. Uh, there's some more people here who responded. Sin Cara wrote in Spanish, so I'm not going to tweet that. Uh, Kevin Kelly. Uh, it's an is an apology really an apology if you say I'm sorry it got blown out of proportion. Is it a case of being young and dumb? No and no. And, of course, Kevin Kelly worked with Leo Rush at Ring of Honor. Uh, Mike Kanellis, this business is incredibly difficult, both physically and mentally already. Let's look out for each other, not break down or make jokes. That's the power Uh, of love right there. Ethan Page, I didn't like Leo Rush before it was out. Get your own gimmick, guys. Or before it was cool. Uh, Taz just said facts in response to Peyton Royce's tweet that we mentioned earlier. I talked about uh, Road Dog said it was insensitive and out of line. You want to see insensitive, though? Check his comments. Twitter hypocrisy knows no bounds. Again, turning it on the fans. Uh, El Ligaro, classless behavior from a guy who turned an entire roster against him in 48 hours due to his sheer arrogance and ignorance. Uh, Kevin Owens, this is what I was looking for. Reading that made my brain melt. Good luck. You're going to need it. Uh, Mick Foley, maybe we should cut Leo Rush some slack. He made a mistake. He feels terrible about it. He sincerely apologized. He's human. Thanks. Uh, William Regal, we all make mistakes. All the people who've had heat or problems, have have I ever joined in with the pack on you? Perhaps a chat and a bit of guidance would be better. Being a pro comes in many ways in and out of the ring. Uh, Drew McIntyre, we're all brothers and sisters in this dream job. Let's act like it. Take it from me. Everything is an opportunity. You call what happens next. Uh, so Drew McIntyre, actually a great thing, because obviously he has been there, has made the mistakes, lost that dream job, and managed to work his way back to it. Um, so he's certainly someone down in NXT that Leo Rush could look up to in this in this scenario. But yeah, one, you mentioned it. Once you've turned, once you've kind of lost Kevin Owens, you, it can be a tough, a tough going. Yeah. For you. Just as Bronson Matthews. Yeah, that's another great guy, of course, for those. Josh from uh, Tough Enough. Uh, I forget exactly what the tweet was. Oh, what do you call someone a jobber? Yes. Um, and took tremendous heat from Cody Rhodes, Miz, Kevin Owens, etc. Um, and it hasn't done much since then. So make make of that what you will. Pretty sure he got fired. No, he's still there. <laughs> he's still there in developmental, I believe. Um, hmm. but I mean, I feel like we've kind of beat this, this topic to death. So let's move on. Uh, former impact wrestling executive, Jeff Jarrett has checked into a rehab facility. According to pro wrestling sheet, the impact wrestling executive made the decision Wednesday morning to get help. <laughs> and one source noted that it seems to be a WWE sponsored rehab. As previously reported, Jarrett was fired from his position at impact wrestling recently while on a leave of absence. The next day from his firing, a promoter in Canada accused him of passing out in their locker room over the weekend due to drinking, then insisting on wrestling a match. 
The Jarrett family turmoil continues as it looks like a bit of a family feud is brewing. Jarrett's daughter Jocelyn retweeted a photo, a tweet that disparages his wife Karen, saying, quote, Karen Jarrett with another husband in rehab drives men to the sauce, end quote. The tweet said Jocelyn, um, the tweet said Jocelyn quoted the tweet and then commented RT, insinuating that her followers should retweet the post. Jocelyn also posted on Instagram addressing her father going to rehab in which she implied that there was recently a strain in their relationship, saying, Usually I don't do a post like this, but for most of y'all that know me, I don't like sharing my feelings whatsoever. But today my dad checked into rehab. I know I haven't been the biggest fan of my dad over the past few years, but in the end it is still my dad and I love him more than anything. Dad, I hope when you see this you really know how much I love you. I'm so proud of the decision you made and excited to see how the next few months go. You can do this, You can't, and I can't wait to see that smile again. As for everyone else reading this, all I ask is for you to keep my two little sisters in your prayers. It's going to be a hard couple of months, but I'm hoping in the end my dad, my two sisters, and I can be a family again. Sorry again for the mushy post, but I just had to get that off my chest. Love you forever and always, Dad. Uh, Karen Jarrett was married to Kurt Angle and had his two children with him before getting divorced in 2008. Uh, she married Jeff Jarrett in 2010. Karen's daughter with Kurt, Kyra Angle, replied, replied, replied to Jocelyn's tweet and wasn't happy with her being disrespectful to her mother in a series of tweets where she said, WTF, then what the hell is your problem? Followed by kind of annoying when pe- whenever people post shit to make others feel sorry for them, LOL. It's not like it's not every like not everything's about you. Um, first off, happy to see Jarrett's recognizing his problem, perhaps a little later than everyone else did. But he is recognizing it. He is taking the steps to get the help. So we certainly wish him the best in that regard. Um, it definitely sounds like there are some long term inner issues between, you know, Jeff's daughters with his his initial wife. I believe I don't want to get her name wrong. I know she's she's passed away. I want to say Jill. Um, but she passed away from, I believe, cancer years ago. Um, and, you know, sometimes when the, the dad remarries, the, the daughters of the original marriage don't always take Jill. too well. Jill, yeah, I thought so. Uh, they don't always take so well to the passing, the, the replacement of their mom, if you will. And maybe this is a case of that. I don't know. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I think the only thing we should really be hoping for is for Jarrett to, you know, managed to maintain sobriety and, and kind of rebuild his career some in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, he is a piece of shit. I I'm sorry. I, he, he is, this is a guy who left, <laughs> he, he left his wife who was dying or not, not left his wife, but you no, no, know, she his, was his, dead before. He, no, she was, she was dead before, but he, he got, he, he stole another man's wife essentially. Um, yeah, and you know what, though, is, Troy, we never know what that relationship was like prior to... I mean, they may have been perfectly separated. She yeah. may have come on to him. I, we don't know any of those yeah. details, so it's, it's always All right. sort of... Ta- taking, to... taking that out of it, still Jeff Jarrett, still a fucking douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and I wasn't listening to half of that because I was reading Kevin Owens' response to Bronson Matthews, <laughs> <laughs> which are still great. Do, do you want to share them? Sure. If if anyone doesn't remember, uh, so yes, the he is apparently still employed, but he has deleted his Twitter because, like I said, once once you get into a Twitter fight with Kevin Owens, just just give up. But last year, um, or almost two years ago at this point, 
he made a tweet saying, yep, I like it, hashtag social jobbers, when the the, uh, the social outcasts are running around. And Kevin Owens' response was, look at the veteran here with the big fancy insider terms. I then responded with, I blocked him, felt great. <laughs> and uh, LOL, or let him LOL, people like him fizzle out by themselves pretty quick anyways. And uh, then his last tweet was, he is not our peer. <laughs> Yeah, and this was a guy who was in the PC with Kevin Owens. So yep. Owens worked with him down there. Yeah, also a guy who had been wrestling for maybe a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> won a reality contest. So you come yep. in with two strikes against you into the locker room. Um, yep. You haven't paid your dues as far as they're concerned. Ask Miz about that. Yeah. Um, this, it, this, wasn't, this wasn't like when, uh, uh, when they had, um, uh, what's his fucking name, Matt Morgan on like the, you know, tough enough first season or like that, or, or Maven or guys like that, guys who had actually been independent wrestlers and just wound up getting on the show to try to get it. This was literally a guy off the fucking street and who didn't have a lot of training and stuff like that, who apparently decided to continue to be a fucking smart and make comments about people who are now his peers. Yeah. He's or, sort of, um, sort of similar to, um, Baron Corbin, you know, guy who had a, average to mediocre NFL career and then sort of tried to parlay that into a wrestling career. Uh, yeah. Corbin's obviously had more success at it, but we'll see what, what the future maybe holds for Josh. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, what I do know is that Reno Scum has announced that they are they have parted ways with Impact Wrestling. Uh, the tag team, which consists of Adam Thornstone and Luster the Legend, uh, thanked the organization and left the door open for a return in the future. Reno Scum debuted in Impact Wrestling in March, defeating the DCC, Bram and Eddie Kingston. They then challenged for the Impact Tag Team Championship in a fatal four-way match, but came up short and lost to the Latin American Exchange in April. Impact Wrestling announced that Thornstow suffered a biceps injury, uh, knocking the team out of action. That is not it, however, as Rockstar Spud, also no longer with Impact Wrestling, PW Insider first reported on his exit from the company, and Pro Wrestling Sheet was told that Spud requested to be released from his contract. According to Insider, he got released two or three weeks ago. Spud started with Impact in 2013 after winning the first season of their British Boot Camp reality series and became Dixie, Dixie Carter's chief of staff. Over the course of his run, he won the X Division Championship on two occasions and had a memorable program with Ethan Carter III. Spud has not been used in a while. He last wrestled for the company on May 31st, 2017 at an Impact taping in India where he lost to Swoggle in a Mumbai street fight. Spud's exit from Impact Wrestling follows the recent departures of Taryn Terrell, Robbie E., Loki, Kingston, and Davey Richards. Uh, you know, they always say that you can tell about the future of the company by how people react to it, and it seems like a lot of people are fleeing the ship. Yeah, they've had these kind of mass exoduses before, and then somebody else buys them, and they're fine. So, Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, I don't know who else would buy them. I mean, they've, they're now to the point... They're bankrupting the Anthem company. Uh, Anthem has now been forced to move the company to Canada to cut costs. Um, they've now ceased operations on their live audio wrestling podcast, which had several popular shows and a great following, but I guess had to couldn't afford to pay the salaries of the personalities of that podcast. Um, and they've gone their own ways now after being fired this past week. So certainly wish them the best. I'm, I'm a fan of their stuff, and I'm, I'm hoping they catch on somewhere else. Uh, but 
it certainly seems like like things are trending in the wrong direction, including, and we talked about Jared earlier, uh, there was a quote recently where he attributed his problems with the company to the fact that the Anthem just has no more money left. So Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, at least now we're going to get Rockstar Spud and uh, 205 Life. So. <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, there are a lot of people who are big fans of, of Spud as a performer. He's not... You know, great in ring, but he's certainly a a good performer and persona. So, uh, we'll wish him the best of luck. And 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 if he is officially signed, I haven't heard the official part of that, but uh, we'll see how it goes. We also have Crazy Steve down there now too. So there's there's mm-hmm. some guys down from the recent Impact run who are down there, and we'll see what that turns into for them. Uh, WWE officials still have plans on doing a four horsewomen versus four horsewomen match, pitting Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch. Sasha Banks and Bailey against MMA fighters Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, Jessamine Duke, and Marina Shafir. According to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the match is now set for WrestleMania 34 on April 8th, 2018 from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, not the Pontiac Silverdome. Uh, one reason for the match being pushed back is due to the Raw vs. SmackDown Live items at Survivor Series, where the match was once rumored to take place. The other being the feeling that the extra time will help Rousey, Duke, and Shafir get ready. Rousey herself was recently at the PC, uh, while Baszler trains there full-time under her developmental contract with WWE. Reports also have uh, Duke and Shafir training with Brian Kendrick out at his school in California. So, uh, I gotta say, if you're gonna do this match, WrestleMania really is the right place to do it. It's gonna have the most eyeballs on it. It's a match that's gonna draw a ton of casual viewers uh, which is what the WrestleMania crowd is supposed to be. Uh, I, I have no issue with pushing this back to WrestleMania. I think it's sort of finding the correct home. Yeah, I mean, um, we also want to make sure that we don't rush it, you know, because it's going to need a little bit build because you do have to introduce a lot of these people to your audience too. You know, not... see, that's the that's but that's the beauty of something like this. You don't really have to, you don't have to introduce Ronda Rousey. Right, so Everyone it's just Ronda, Ronda Rousey, but 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 it does just become Ronda and her posse then. So well, Shayna Baszler's sort of already been introduced through the May Young Classic, um, so you have that. Shafir's been introduced, sort of being Roddy Strong's wife down in NXT. So they're not entirely, you know. And at the end of the day, Ronda Rousey's the draw. The other three are going to yeah. be the girls standing behind her. Oh yeah. So yeah, we we want to make sure that we get a good build for this though. We don't we don't want this to be. All of a sudden, you know, in two weeks, we're going to have <laughs> have these guys face each other. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And by not doing it as a Survivor Series match, obviously, you can you can make it a one-fall match. So you can let Baszler kind of focus on being the, the focal point of the match because she has the extensive wrestling training, uh, as opposed to an elimination match where you know you have to get at least extended minutes from Shafir and Jessamine and, and Rousey in the ring. Uh, to, to end things on a good note this week, uh, Sarah Logan said yes on Friday as her wrestler boyfriend Raymond Rowe got down on one knee and asked the NXT superstar for her hand in marriage. Logan posted a photo on Instagram of the engagement with the caption saying, quote, I'm going to marry this man, end of quote. Uh, Rowe is currently signed to Ring of Honor where he and his tag team partner Hansen, collectively known as War Machine, are former IWGP tag team champions on multiple occasions, as well as former Ring of Honor world tag team champion. And former Boo City Wrestling Champions. There you go. Uh, Roe also wrestles in Japan for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I uh, haven't had the privilege of meeting Ray Roe yet. I know Hanson very well. Um, 
and you know helped that I don't want to say helped but was was there during his training uh, his very 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 early years in the business uh, and saw him grow so uh, by all accounts from everybody I know who does know him Rose a great dude uh, Sarah Logan's got uh, great stories I've heard about her so congratulations to the two of them hope wish nothing but the best word and uh, with Troy's resounding commentary on that last story, that is going to do it this week for the news desk. And this would, I, I still miss time travel, Adam. I know. I know. Well, eventually, well. Uh, eventually, maybe we'll get something else. Once, I think it's just got to be, I got to get a new phone. <laughs> so, and I don't know what else to say about that. Congratulations, I guess, to, uh, to Crazy Mary Dobson. But the, with that, it's time once again to take a look at what is coming up in your local independent wrestling scene. And I'm going to start things off in my neck of the woods as Brew City Wrestling presents Thanksgiving Throwdown on Friday, November 17th at the Columbus Club in West Allis. Bell time is 7.30, doors open at 6.45, tickets are $20 front row, $18 general admission at the door, but $2 off if you go to brewcitywrestling.com and use PayPal. Already signed. BruceCityWrestling1.com. Sorry, BruceCityWrestling1.com. Don't want to send them to the wrong place. Have you ever gone to BruceCityWrestling.com? I don't know. I wonder if that's something completely different, like if it's porn or something. Let's find out. (laughs) What is this? That's my dick. Oh. Uh, Okay, well, it looks like it's... Yeah, so that appears to be... Bam and viruses. So I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and click off of that and hope that my antivirus is updated. So don't don't go to Bruce City Wrestling. Go to Bruce City Wrestling, the number one dot com. <laughs> Already signed. Evil Sierra takes on Blue Phoenix. Vanessa Azor, High Octane Onyx Andretti, Max Holiday, Russ Jones. The Bruce City Saints will take on the Heathens, Tokyo Monster Kahagas, and Hardcore Impact. More Fandemonium matches announced soon at BruceCityWrestling1.com. Follow them on Twitter, BCW1, or go to their Facebook page to get more information and more matches to be announced soon. Jason? Yes! What's going on in that uh, Merrimack Valley? Well, just this past Saturday, APW returned to action at the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley, and we had such a tremendous night of action that we're coming right back November 18th. This is the first night of our two-event toy drive uh, where we are asking that people bring a new unwrapped toy. Each donation that is received will receive $5 off a general admission ticket. Uh, coming off our last event this past Saturday, I mentioned uh, only one match officially signed so far as the juggernaut John Poe finally gets his one-on-one match with the man that cost him the APW Heavyweight Championship, Apocalypse. And that's going to be a physical contest, a giant pull-apart this past weekend. Uh, it was a, just a very physical... They even put their hands on me, Troy. I took... I took a bit of a beating that night. Um, But also appearing on this show, the APW heavyweight champion, Champagne Joe Moakley, the APW New England champion, Bitter Buddy Romano, APW tag team champions, the Maine State Posse, APW women's champion, Adira with Uncle Eddie, also making his return to APW, the kingpin, Brian Malonis, the selfie-made king, Vern Vicalo, the unequaled one, Todd Sopel, Dynamite Danny Miles, Belmont, 
Vanity Vixen, Skylar, who made a great debut for herself last Saturday, uh, the Hampton Beach bad boy Hunter Ward, Robo the Punjabi Lion, or another returning superstar, Nico Silva, the Sheikh Abdullah Hassan with his partner, the Canadian legend Matt Loudon, who of course are always seconded by John Fabulous, John Cena Sr., and Uncle Eddie's first family, perfectly fit Dan Terry, slam dance Tim Lennox, Uncle Eddie, and the new uh, member to the group, Susanna, the valet, if you will. Uh, tickets, $12 at the door. Advanced tickets, $10. Reserved front row tickets, $15. Tickets available at the door and at AtlanticProWrestling.com slash products. The doors for that event open at 6 p.m. with a 6.30 p.m. bell time. Once again, that is November 18th at the... Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley. I will be there. Former Rundown host Adam will be there as well. So come by and check us out. Come by and ask him why he quit. Uh, <laughs> also, um, serious concerns that John Cena Sr. is not actually John Cena's dad. Oh, no. I've, I, have you ever seen them? No. They're either fucking twin brothers, very big age discrepancy, or it's his dad. Because they're, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess it's his dad then. No mistake in that. Uh, following that, I will once again be back at a wrestling show for UFO Wrestling when we present our annual Thanksgiving Eve event, Harvest Havoc 2017, on Wednesday night, November 22nd at 7 p.m. This is a fundraiser for the Tynan Community Center where the event is being held. The matches we have announced, the kingpin, Brian Malonis, defends the UFO Heavyweight Championship against the Dynasty, Bo Douglas. And then no countout, no DQ match, Evan Six takes on Aaron Amadeus and Tim Lennox. Ilya Markopoulos will team up with Christian Casanova to take on the team of Channing Thomas and Carlos Gabriel. Furio Falcone takes on Osiris. The cool people make their first defense of the UFO Tag Team Championships against the team of Picture Perfect, perfectly fit Dan Terry and the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo. Davian takes on Belmont. Benny Jux has issued an open challenge for a fatal four-way. Adira will make her UFO wrestling debut against Luscious Latasha. Also, the Turkey Rumble will be in taking place. So far, we have uh, people competing who have announced their names. Channing Thomas, Connor Tice, the Castle Island Assassin, Sully Banger, King Leon VI, Ike, the SOG Ronnie Ribs. More matches will be announced soon. Just announced today, Darley Decimo will be returning to UFO Wrestling that night. Uh, front row seats, $15 in advance, $20 at the door. General admission is $10 in advance and $15 at the door. You can reserve your tickets safely and securely through the Friends and Family feature on PayPal at paypal.me slash Patrick Dillon. Title and Havoc. Search for UFO Wrestling on Facebook for more info. And if you're looking for UFO Wrestling on Facebook for more info, you might stumble across the fact that we will be back in action the following Friday as we present Black Friday, November 24th at 7 p.m. from the Bell Time Club, 40 Broadway Street, Wakefield, Mass. The So far, the main event for the show, the only thing announced is the selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo, will get his title shot that he earned about a year ago prior to his injury. His opponent will be determined by the main event at Harvest Havoc, so you definitely want to check out both Black Friday and Harvest Havoc. And uh, actually, if you are at Harvest Havoc and you purchase a general admission ticket, you can purchase a Black Friday ticket at that event for just $5. So I, I urge you to check out both events. Good deal. Good deal. 
and a new member to our independent wrestling dates. Saturday, December 9th, Midwest Entertainment is live from Mount Hope, Kansas. No matches have been announced yet, but the show will feature the Honky Tonk Kid, Samoan Predator, Mr. Fitness 2, Midnight Rose, Christian Temple, The Mangler, and many more. Tickets available now at MWEProWrestling.com. And remember, kids three and under are free. Yeah, shout out to uh, Midwest Entertainment. Good to have them on board. Awesome, awesome. And of course, Adam would like to remind you that Lucky Pro is off until 2018, and Liberty Stage Wrestling returns to Peabody on Saturday, December 18th. Listen, but Chris, he... Chris, let me, let me talk. I, Chris Sullivan at Lucky Pro, I know he, he at least listens to the show every now and then. I think he's usually here. He used to be with us live when we did the uh, the YouTube live. Let me ask you, you're closing down the doors for the year in October? What are you doing? Like, I understand November, December, okay, sure, but October? October's your last show of the year? Get your shit together. Be like, like Liberty State. <laughs> be like Liberty Chris. States and have a show December 18th. <laughs> we'll have more information in the coming weeks, hopefully with, you know... Or be like WWE and make the boys work on Christmas. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so that does it for this Wednesday, November 1st, 2017... It has been 2,429 days, but Titus O'Neil has finally outlasted every other competitor to win Seasons 5 of <laughs> NXT Redemption. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, actually, I think Johnny Analog is still in the running. Oh, shit. Okay, well, sorry. Hold hold on, Titus. Don't, don't, don't be grabbing Vince again. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get you that title as soon as, as, soon as Analog gets put out of, uh, out of business. <laughs> But, okay, I, I'm glad that landed. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Rundown po- down Podcast. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show, rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail, 617-863-6967. That's 61rundown7. Be unlike Sal, who decided to not be a part of our show at all. Uh, Ever. On Patre- yep. Go to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Uh, it's just $5 a month, and I'll grant you one patron-only episode of The Rundown. I do have to uh, log back into that and uh, do something with it. Uh, listen to our friends the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing. With new podcasts Mondays and Thursdays, go to facebook.com slash the WPAN for more information. And check out our new friend Justin Michaels on his show, Yesterland Waltz, on Tough TV. Subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows, NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, and the Nitromania Podcast, which of course, as Jason said, I was just recently on the most recent episode of the Nitromania Podcast, having to cover five fucking hours of WCW content from the 90s. And fuck Jimmy Hart. Fuck uh, Jimmy Hart, man. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. And for those who are interested, I, I, I am planning the sit-down. I, I booked the first guest back this week, so hopefully we'll get that recorded next week and get that out to you very soon. Uh, I'm very excited about it. It should be a fun interview with uh, somebody who may not be available for local interviews much longer, so glad to have him. Awesome. Well, thanks for all of you for listening. Thanks for all of you for downloading. Thanks to my co-host, Jason. Thank you, Troy. And thanks to everybody who just happens to pop onto the Podomatic page just to say hi. Yeah, just just, just to make sure that we're still alive. We appreciate that. Fucking download and subscribe. And, you know what? Here's the thing, people. You don't even have to listen to our shit. You just download no. it and then delete it. We still get credit yeah. for the download, so help us out. Right. That I haven't listened to a single episode of Tuning Japanese, but I downloaded it just because I wanted to get them more, get them more views. <laughs> Hashtag Quest N. That's right. 
Thanks to Ray Williams for our... You've probably listened to it more than they've checked their website. (laughs) That's true. That is true. That is true. Uh, Thanks to Ray Williams for the logo, uh, which we will probably only have for the uh, the next two months because we tend to like to change it up every year. So be on the lookout for a new logo. I'm trying to come up with a better idea for it. I shouldn't say better. That's sorry. I'm sorry, Ray. That was was kind of busy. Yeah. Uh, For a new logo, because like I said, we do try to. But if you have uh, an idea for a logo, Ray, email the show, rundowrustling at gmail.com. Or if any of you out there have an idea for a logo for our show, feel free to. Please do not use Ray Mysterio. That logo was terrible. Uh, And thanks to Jason. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk later. Okay. It involves a glowing dildo. Oh, okay. Okay. I've I've still got them saved somewhere on my computer. Thanks again to Jason for our theme song. And Which I'm not doing a new one for next year, because that was way too much fucking work for this year, and we've only had it for a few months. Cause yeah, we've only had it for a few months. Yeah. 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 If, no, we no, get, if we get a new one next year, we're going to have to hit up I Fight Dragons. And... Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's it's just our normal logo, because our logo does say 2017 on it. So. No, no, I know. Maybe I Fight Dragons does logos, because oh, you go. took away the theme song. So. Yeah, because fuck them. Next week, we're bringing more shit. Okay. <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, no, uh, nothing, nothing, nothing more. Nothing more to see. You can just you can turn off. You can turn off this podcast. I guess that's gonna do it. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Troy Mosen and Jason Stewart. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all their shows, including the other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, Horror Podcast, the Slasher Sanitarium, and the Shadowvane Podcast, as well as the rest of their shows, Taco Tuesday, Words of Geekdom, Pwn Stars, the Reanimator Podcast, and Nerd CTLR at questanetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.